I want to take a moment and just say welcome to you. Welcome those of you who are joining us online to worship. We hope our worship time has already been a blessing to you guys. Filled your hearts, filled your homes with the presence of the Lord. And it's my, I alluded to it just a moment ago, it's my honor, my privilege to introduce our very, very special guest speaker this morning. Pastor Eli Brooks is in the house. Some of you guys know him. For many years, Eli was part of our staff here. He and Elisa, his wife Elisa, they're four boys, part of the church, part of our staff, just incredible difference makers in this community. And for the past several years, they have served as campus pastors for Daystar Church in northern Alabama, an amazing, large-growing, thriving ministry that, that uh, Eli is a part of now. And, and just all the reports that I get back from, the, from uh, their service there in Daystar Church is just that he's, they're making an incredible difference and, and bringing many people to Christ there. And so, listen, I, I, whenever they are back to visit family here in Lawrence, I was just sharing this with Eli in my office this morning. I don't have him preach because he was once a part of this church, a part of this community. I ask him to preach because I really believe on the call of God upon his life to preach the word of God to God's people. And so listen, would you open your heart to receive what the Lord wants to speak to your heart today and join me in extending a warm Rev City welcome to Pastor Eli Brooks. Come on, put your hands together for Eli. Thank you. Awesome. Good morning. That was good. I'm, I'm impressed. First service and you guys are awake. That's pretty cool. Um, I'm excited this morning and just want to say thank you to Pastor Thomas and Amity. We, it is an honor to be here. It's an honor to be back serving with, um, just ministering today here, but uh, they are the real deal. I know you guys probably already know that, but you're, he is who he is in, in, in private, in public, on this, on this platform, uh, in the secret place, he's the same. Just a man that's hungry after God and that is, does, desires to see the revival of God's people and to see his kingdom come and his will be done. So I'm just, just uh, it's a blessing to be here. It was a blessing to serve with them for about, I think, three and a half years. And we've been in Alabama almost three years now, which is crazy to think about. It's been that long. Um, but it's, it's an encouragement because it's all about God's kingdom. And we're all family. Amen. No matter where we're at in the world, we're family. And uh, it's, it's really good to be back with this part of my family today. So um, I also want to say welcome to everyone online. I know there's a lot of you joining online, and I just want to encourage you just to lean in in this moment. Maybe you're listening to it later. Maybe you're on right now. And just clear away the distractions, because I believe God has a word for you and for everyone here. Um, this word, God was just um, putting a burden on my heart, and I knew I was coming, and I had this in my, in my to-do list. I had this note, hey, text Pastor Thomas, because I think I should share this at Rev City. And then that was in a, on a Tuesday, and by about four in the afternoon, I hadn't finished my to-do list, and I hadn't texted him. He texted me and said, hey, I really think maybe you should, uh, you should share. Do you have something? I said, oh, my goodness. I, I should have screenshotted and shown you. Like It was on my, my messages, my to-do list, to text you today. So I really believe this is a timely word. I believe God's got something for you that he wants to minister and encourage you with and strengthen you as you go into this next year. This is always that moment when, we, when we're kind of looking back, hindsight 2020, and um, then we're looking forward and, and saying, God, I hope some things change. I, I want to see some shifts. I want to see you move. Um, and maybe there's some unanswered prayers or some hopes or dreams that you've had that really haven't been fulfilled yet. And I believe the Lord is going to speak to those today. I believe he's going he's gonna to encourage you. He's going to breathe life into those hopes, those dreams, and those, that, that plan that he has for your life that has not been thrown off. It's not been thwarted. It's not even been delayed by COVID. Amen? Because God's plans cannot be changed 
by something that the enemy throws at us. God's plans are, are and his purposes are, are unchanging and good and for you. Um, you know, I, I, I forgot to mention my wife and my kids, but I have an amazing wife, Elisa. My four boys are here with us today. We've had an incredible time. I think we have a picture. Um, um, we've had an incredible time with family um, in, in, the, in Christmas here. It's been chaos. I think I saw at least 10 new Nerf guns added to my boys' arsenal through their Christmas presents. So my wife has to put up with a lot because that means there's actually four boys, five boys, because I'm going to join that. We're going to have some incredible Nerf battles. The whole house gets covered. So she puts up with a lot, and she's amazing. And I just want to say thank you for all that you put up with for all these boys. Um, so this morning, I want to talk about a question that I think all of us at some point in our life deal with. And that question is, is God really good? Is God really good? And, you know, I think a lot of people are asking that question right now because there's, this is that, when you hit a season of, of hardship, a season of trial, maybe they've lost their jobs or things haven't gone the way they wanted or they're experiencing financial trouble, they, they, they start to look and say, God, what are you doing? Or why, why aren't you doing this? Or why are you doing this? Are you really good? And it's not an accident that that question comes up in hard times. The enemy has been planting that question in the, in the hearts and minds of people from the beginning. When he asked Adam and Eve, did God really say you couldn't eat this tree? What he was saying is, can you really trust him? Is he really good? And that question began to stir in their hearts. They began to entertain that question, right? And they began over a little, just to start to question God's character. Is he really good? Or is he, is he actually holding out on us? Is there something that he knows that we don't know that, 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 that we could have access to, but, but he's holding out? And maybe you're not verbalizing that question. Maybe, that's, maybe you're, you're, you have too much faith to verbalize, but it hits you in that secret place. Moments when you're alone, moments when you're, when you're depressed, moments when you're tired. The enemy doesn't fight fair. He always kicks us when we're down. Amen? And, or you've experienced tragedy or loss or things that prayer requests that did not go the way you thought they would go. And you may not say that question out loud because you know you're not supposed to, but it, it comes up. And I want us to begin to ask that question, and I want us to begin to answer that question today. And, and, and see that God has something that he wants to give you, an anchor in your story, an anchor in your heart that you can hold on to no matter what comes your way. And in fact, not only will you hold on to it and survive, but you become a victorious conqueror that walks confident knowing who your God is. Amen. That's the plan for every single one of us as believers. That we don't just survive this, but we thrive and we overcome and we, bring, we carry this peace that passes all understanding. Through the storms that everyone's facing so that they look at you and say, what's wrong with you? Why are you so chill? Why are you so at peace? How can you, how can you do all this and not, and not freak out? How can you read the news and not be terrified or start to have conspiracy theories and doubts and worries? So we begin to shine bright in the world. And if you've ever struggled with questions like that, why God? Or how long? Or, or, or maybe, maybe you've been through, a, through just difficult circumstances this year, and I'm not going to minimize that. Because this, this situation we're going through is, is straight from the pit of hell. Coronavirus is evil. And there's a lot of destruction, a lot of, a lot of bad things happening around us. And, and I'm not, I'm not going to say today that that stuff is, is okay, and I'm not going to say that it's not hard. But I want us to, uh, to focus on a greater truth. And I want to start by looking at the story of Israel. 
If you've heard the story, Israel had gone into Egypt and they were, they'd thrived and grown as a nation and eventually got put into slavery. And they were in slavery for hundreds of years. And I want to I read an account of when they came out of that slavery and, and the pattern of, of going through hardship and then beginning to look at God and cry out to God and then God's liberation and, and how we as humans respond so similar in these kind of situations. I want to read it out of Nehemiah 9 because it's a shorter account of this story. And I'm going to skip a few verses for the sake of, of just getting uh, through time. But um, I want you to look for, as I read this, look for signs of God's faithfulness. Look for signs of his goodness, but also look for signs of how we as human beings tend to respond when bad things happen, okay? And when good things happen in our life. So let's start in um, Nehemiah uh, chapter 9, verse 9. It says, You saw the misery of our ancestors in Egypt, and you heard their cries from beside the Red Sea. You displayed miraculous signs and wonders against Pharaoh, his officials, and all his people, for you knew how arrogantly they were treating our ancestors. You have a glorious reputation that has never been forgotten. You divided the sea for your people so they could walk through on dry land. And then you hurled their enemies into the depths of the sea, and they sank like stones beneath the mighty waters. You led our ancestors by a pillar of cloud during the day and a pillar of fire at night so, they could, so that they could find their way. You came down on Mount Sinai and spoke to them from heaven. You gave them regulations and instructions that were just, decrees and commands that were good. You instructed them concerning your holy Sabbath and commanded them through your servant Moses to obey all your commandments and decrees and instructions. You gave them bread from heaven when they were hungry, water from the rock when they were thirsty. You commanded them to go and take possession of the land that you had sworn to give them. But our ancestors were proud and stubborn and they paid no attention to your commands. They refused to obey and did not remember the miracles you had done for them. Instead, they became stubborn and appointed a leader to take them back to their slavery in Egypt. But you are a God of forgiveness, gracious, merciful, slow to become angry, and rich in unfailing love, and you did not abandon them. Skip to verse 21. For 40 years you sustained them in the wilderness, and they lacked nothing. Their clothes did not wear out, and their feet did not swell. And some translations say their sandals didn't even wear out. For 40 years, their clothes didn't wear out. They don't make them like they used to, right? That's, that's, but, but there was the Holy Spirit sustaining. God was in the midst of their rebellion. He was still sustaining them down to the details of their life. What a good God. Verse 35, and this one just, man, and, and as I think about America and the world we live in, this verse just echoes, I think, where we're at. Verse 35 says, even while they had their own kingdom, they did not serve you. Though you showered your goodness on them, you gave them a large and fertile land, but they refused to turn from their wickedness. Now, what's going on here? I think in the story of the Israelites, we see the pattern of human nature. We see that that when things are going well, we tend to, as humans, we tend to forget God, right? In the midst of blessing or when things are going well, when we're comfortable, we tend to forget God. Similar to when our nation as a whole has been comfortable and thriving and you, be, you tend to forget God. But now when things start to go bad, people start to cry out and to blame God. Isn't that interesting? We forget him when things are going well, when he's blessed us, when he's brought us into the promised land. But when things go bad, people are like, why God? Are you really good? Where are you, God? It's, it's a pattern of human nature. And, and why is this? Why is it so easy for people to blame God or to question his character. And 
I think it's because we tend to know God mostly through what he does or doesn't do for us rather than knowing him for who he is. And I think that's true of all of us. It's a tendency to look at our circumstances first instead of looking at God first. God, are you doing what I want you to do? Is it in the timeline I want you to do it in? Did you answer the prayer that I asked, you, that I asked of you? Did you do or not do what I wanted you to do? And we define God's goodness by that. And the truth is, that was the case with the Israelites. In Psalm 103, verse 7, it says, He revealed his character to Moses and his deeds to the people of Israel. Now listen to this. Moses and the people of Israel went through the same hardships, didn't they? Moses, when he was in the wilderness, he was thirsty until that water came from the rock. When Moses, he was hungry in the wilderness until God began to give them food. He was stuck at the Red Sea with the people of Israel with no way through, right? And he even panicked a little bit. Um, even though he's, he's, the, he's Moses, you know, but he had the same hardships that the people of Israel did. But listen to this. It says the Israelites only knew God through what he did for them, through his acts, right? Through his deeds. It says he revealed um, his deeds to the people of Israel. But to Moses, uh, Moses knew God personally. He knew his character. He knew his ways. So whenever he went into circumstances, he could define the circumstances by who God is, not that the circumstances define God. What a difference in how we view God. And I believe there's so many Christians right now that are stuck in this place. We're stuck and we're saying, God, I don't know if you're really good because my circumstances look like this. And, and since I can't see a way through the circumstances, I don't know if you're really good. I, it, it's, it's, a, it's a tendency to look first at this, un, at this seen world versus fixing our eyes on what is unseen. Fixing our eyes on the kingdom. And it's, it is all of our tendency as, as human beings. It doesn't mean you're, 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 that's just who we are. That's our, our character. Unless we begin to draw near. Unless we do what Moses did when every hardship came. Do you know what he did? The Israelites cried out. But it was more like, God, where are you? What are you doing? Why aren't you coming through for us? We should, it'd be better if we were back in slavery. You know what Moses did? He went to the secret place. He went to the tent of meeting. He drew near to God. He said, God. I want you. I want your presence. If we will not move forward from here unless your presence goes with us. See, he desired to know God's character, who he was. We contend, you know, it's easy for us to forget what someone did for us, but we remember their character a lot longer, don't we? You might not remember the presence you got just three or four days ago, or you remember the presence, but you forgot who gave it to you. But you remember that one family member who was just always caring, who's generous who just is, is always has a servant's heart. They're in there in the kitchen doing the dishes afterwards and loving on people. You remember someone's character far more over time than the specific acts that they did or didn't do. And, the, and those acts tend to reveal their character, but, we wanna, but God wants to show us how to, when the enemy brings an accusation in your mind, about God's, about God's character. Is he good because of this situation? Is he, has he, why didn't he do this for you? Why didn't that prayer get answered? Why did that loved one have to, have to pass away? He wants to draw you close so that when those questions happen, because they will come. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble, trouble right? And we can say, amen. We, 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 that resonates with me. But take heart because I have overcome the world. See, he's saying, you're going to go through this stuff, but I want to give you an anchor in your story that you know, that you know, that you know that I'm good. You know who I am, and no circumstance can rob you of that trust, can rob you of that connection to me, of that, of that uh, anchor of my presence in your life. 
That's what he desires to give us. You know, what is God's character? People say, um, you know, he's this angry God. Look at the Old Testament. He is just, he's a judgmental God. He's angry. He's just waiting for people to mess up. And he's in heaven and he's got his lightning bolts and he's just brooding. And, and uh, every time he, like, I told you you were going to mess up, you know, judgment. That's, that's kind of how the world sees God, if they believe in God at all. But what is his character? I want to look at some of the, the, the elements of God's character. Psalm 33, 4 through 5 says this. For the word of the Lord is right, and all his work is done in truth. He loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of, his, of the goodness of the Lord. That word, one of the definitions for that word full is having no empty spaces. You know what that means? It means that there's literally no place on earth that is untouched by God's goodness. There's no place on earth where you can go and get away from God's goodness or not see his goodness. And I can, I can attest that. I've been in some of the, the poorest, darkest um, places in the world. But yet I see God's goodness. I see joy in the faces of people that seemingly have nothing, but they have Jesus. I see goodness. And, and the truth is, um, you can, people don't have to go far in the world to see God's goodness. But they may have to look at the world differently. Isn't that true? So two people can be going through similar hardships, similar circumstances, and they can respond very differently based on how they see God. Based on, on whether they feel like God is holding out on them or whether they're a victim or all those kind of mentalities the enemy tries to throw us or whether they see God for who he really is. And they begin to define their life through that lens of God's goodness. Psalm 145, verse 9 says, God, everyone sees your goodness. For your tender love is blended into everything you do. I love that translation. I believe God wants to give us a new lens because perspective is everything. How you see the world has a profound impact on your life. Do you know that? And, you know, have you heard it said your perspective determines your reality? And that really is true. And I believe that God wants to show us how to, how to shift our perspective and how to recognize those moments when the enemy is trying to change out our perspective, change out the lenses through, through which we see life. I want to show you a little video to illustri illustrate this. Have you guys ever, maybe you've never seen this before, but they've created these glasses that help people who are colorblind to see the world as everyone else sees it. So watch this video and then I want to talk about this. Do what? Put your sunglasses. They're, they're sunglasses that help you see normal color. For school that are colorblind. Let's see if they work. Let's see how the rest of the world sees. Can you see color? I can see color. It's What color is that? That's blue. <laughs> Peyton, stop throwing them at Papa. Peyton, Peyton, stop throwing balloons. 
Go sit Come with on. Lala. Papa can't see color. Painting. Papa can't see color, so he can see now color with those glasses. <laughs> <laughs> See, the amazing thing about that is that the world hadn't changed, had it? But his perspective changed. All of a sudden, he could see things like he'd never seen them before. They were the same things he saw before. Balloons were the same balloons he saw before, but all of a sudden, he saw them differently because his perspective changed. The lenses through which he saw life changed. And I think a lot of us have a tendency, we have a lens that maybe our family used to wear. They have the glass is half empty or the glass is half full. You have people that are more positive. Maybe, that's, maybe it makes it easier for them to see God's goodness. I don't know. All I know is that whether you're a glass is half empty or a glass is half full person, there's a, there's a, there's a place God wants to get you where, where those, that's, all, that's all about circumstances. Well, with these circumstances, the glass is half empty, right? Or with these circumstances, the glass is half full. That's not, that's not what it's about. It's about changing the entire way you see the world and about carrying with you a heart that is so connected to God and who he is that those circumstances never will define who you are. They'll never define your your happiness. They'll never define your joy. They'll never define God's promises or change who he is to you because he is with you and he's for you. Amen? You know, I think a lot of what we blame God for in this world it's, and we may not do it on purpose, but, but we, we blame God for things. Or we say, well, if God wants to heal, or if God wants to do this. And you know, God's a good father. We know that, right? We know that up here. But if, if, if he did half the things we blame him for, he'd be an abusive father. I mean, seriously, we say, well, God caused this, and then he, he came in and saved us. It's like, it's like me breaking my, my son's arm to show how I can care for him afterwards. How, I, that's, that's terrible. You would never do that. That's not who God is. But the enemy has been the accuser since the beginning. He accuses us to God and says, look what they did. And then he accuses God to us and say, look what he did or didn't do. Is he really good? And it's time to silence that voice. It's time to put on the the, the anchor of God's goodness and begin to allow him to move in our lives and trust him through everything. Because maybe maybe I I want God to give you a new perspective today. Maybe it's not new. Maybe you've just gone through life and life has a tendency to, to make us jaded to what, what God's doing around us, amen? You know, the, the joy we see in kids, little kids, is because they haven't been jaded by the troubles and cares of this world yet, have they? But what if, what if God's called all of us to have that kind of childlike faith? What if he wants us to be, hold on to him like a good father and say, God, I trust you, you're my father. You would never, let, you would never um, leave me or forsake me. You are with me. And I can, I can trust you completely. So I want us to begin to, to, I want to read a few scriptures and I want us to begin to put on this lens. I want to ask you to, to get, to take off your glasses that you've been seeing 2020 with. And, and the way you see, you know, you can see how people see 2020 by what they put on Facebook, right? And, and, and whether they're, whether it's, I mean, there's such, a, such div, div, divide, such different views, such different, you know, like we just, it, you know what? Maybe God wants to help, help us to see it differently. And maybe he wants us to go into 2021 with a different perspective than the rest of the world. Maybe we're supposed to have kingdom eyes and kingdom perspective and begin to walk in this world as, as strangers in this world, not of this world. Amen? I want to read a couple of things that I think are going to help us understand and begin to hold on to this goodness of who God is. Exodus 33. This is the first moment where God's character 
is mentioned, who he is in scripture, all right? You've seen a lot of what he's done, creation, all those things. This moment, he himself tells us, God tells us who he is. You know, and everyone says God's this angry, judgmental God in scripture. Look at this in the Old Testament. What does God say about himself? Exodus 33, verse 18 and 19. Moses responded, then show me your glorious presence. And the Lord replied, I will make all my goodness pass before you. And I will call out my name Yahweh before you. For I will show mercy to anyone I choose. And I will show compassion to anyone I choose. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord. I'm sorry, this is in, uh, it keeps going, the story goes, but Exodus 34, 6 is the next one. Exodus 34, 6. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Now, it says there God is merciful and he's gracious and he's slow to anger and he's abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. And all of that, what does he say earlier? All of that is his what? I will make my what pass before you? My goodness. All of that, his mercy, his grace, his steadfast love and faithfulness, all of it is, is God's goodness. The expanse of who he is, he is good. It's his character. It's who he is and he will not change. Amen? In Psalm 103, we read a little bit of that earlier. I want to read through a little bit more. In, in Psalm 103, verses 1 through 11 says, Praise the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. These are the kind of de declarations we have to make when life gets hard. Amen? Praise the Lord, my soul. He's talking to himself. He says, and forget not all his benefits. Why would he have to tell his soul not to forget if, if it wasn't the tendency of his soul, our mind, our will, and emotions to begin to forget God's benefits? He's telling them, don't forget. That's why it's important that you be here in the body of Christ or you connect to the body of Christ because we have a tendency to let life make us forgetful. We need small groups. We need other Christians. We need each other to remind ourselves who God is in those moments when we're weak and, and, and worn out. Verse three, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses and his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious. Here it is again, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve, amen, or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth. So great is his love for those who fear him. What a good God. And his goodness culminated in sending Jesus. Luke 14, I'm going to read a couple more of these and then we're going to, then I have, I want to give you a couple more um, just anchors to, to how to do this, how to walk this out. Luke 4, verses 17, 19. This is Jesus talking about why he came. Why he came. And he says, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him, unrolling, he found the place where it is written, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, and to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And later on in, in, in the gospel of John, verse, uh, chapter 10, verse 10 and 11, he says, the thief comes only to kill and steal and destroy. And I came that you may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd and the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Do you see who God is? And you, I don't know about you, but when I read these verses, it reminds me, but life has a tendency to make me forget these verses. 
right? You need, we need to stay anchored in this place because this is way more true than what circumstances are shouting at you. This is the truth that doesn't change because God is unchanging and he's calling us to stay anchored in this place of his goodness. I want to give you two ways before I close that you can stay anchored in God's goodness because I know if you're like me, life is going to start to throw things at you Monday morning, right? It's just that's what happens. Life, life has a tendency to, to throw unexpected stuff at us. And if we have an anchor in our story, just like Moses did, then we will not be tossed back and forth like the Israelites were, questioning God and weak and just, God, I just need to get through this. And, and I, we, we become confident. We become steadfast. We become people that can sleep in the boat with Jesus through the storms. And, we, and, and that's what he's called. That's, that's the plan. That's his call for every single one of us as believers. He did not save any one of you just to survive and make it to heaven. He called you to be more than conquerors, to be overcomers, to be kingdom ambassadors in this earth. And he's got, and he's got a way that he can, he can strengthen you. He wants to strengthen you to be that. The first way that you can stay anchored in God's goodness is by allowing his truth to change your perspective in three areas. Your past, your present, and your future. If you begin to understand and ask God, God, I don't know why this happened. Or, or maybe you have unanswered questions or, or maybe they're just issues in your story that you just, you, you just kind of have to avoid because if that is really true, God, if you let that happen, how can you be good? But I believe the Lord wants to begin to show you how he's been faithful. If you ask God, Lord, I need you to show me your goodness in my story. I need you to show me your goodness in my past. And in my present, in this moment right now, and in my future. How has he been faithful? How will he be faithful? How is he faithful right now? And how will he be faithful? If you begin to answer that question, you'll begin to have an anchor of, of goodness in your life. And your circumstances won't, won't define you anymore. That's why we need to have testimonies. Because the truth is, even the things you've come through, the truth is, the, 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 the reality is you have come through it. You're here today. And God is good to you today. And maybe there'll be some questions you don't have answered till heaven. I, you know, there's, there's people that I know that, that I prayed for and I, and I believed for and they did not, they, they passed away. And I don't know why certain people get healed and others don't get healed. But I do know this, that in heaven, when I walk up and when I see Jesus face to face and when I see those, those brothers and sisters in Christ that have passed, gone before me, that question is gonna be answered. So sometimes I have a few questions in my story that I'm going to have to set aside and trust God's goodness because they may not have an answer to this side of heaven. But the truth is God has been faithful. And, he, and testimonies are supposed to become the lens through which we see our present, right? So you can listen to other people's testimonies or your testimony, where you, how you've overcome so many different things. And God will use your testimony to, to give hope to others in the present moment that they're going through. Because there's other people going through things as hard or harder than you went through. But you have to declare it. You have to declare by faith, God has been faithful. The reason I'm here today, the reason I'm alive is because God has been faithful. One of the hardest places to see, the hardest place I believe to see God's faithfulness is in our present moment, right? It's easy for us to look back and say, okay, God, God got me through that. He saw, I saw him, get, man, I thought we were gonna not make it through financially, but we made it through somehow. God got us through. I'm here today because of God's grace, because of his goodness. But to look right around us right now and say, God, are you good at this moment? That's one of the hardest things to do, isn't it? So I posted to Facebook and asked some of my friends, can you tell me how you've seen God's goodness in 2020? Because there's a lot of negative things about 2020, right? 
a lot, of, a lot of stories, but I've seen and I've noticed that those that have leaned into God, those that have been faithful to just follow God, man, they're, they're, there's something going on in their story. They're, they're not being, they're not being um, taken down the same way that those in the world are. They're not being just, um, just wrapped up in worry and anxiety and, and stress like the world is. Listen to some of these stories. These are from friends of mine. And one said, this could have easily been an unbearable, stressful year for me, but God has given me peace beyond understanding. Another lady said, his presence and peace have carried me through the worst season of my life. Um, He has shown me that he is there, not leaving, not abandoning, not changing his mind. He is faithful and loving. He's given me peace where anxiety could have taken over. Another one said, my son was accepted into ranger school in the U.S. Army. While training, he fell off a rope and broke his back in two places. They were positive that they were going to have to drop him from the program. However, he healed much faster than anyone anticipated and was able to stay in. Then while doing physical therapy, he ended up with COVID, yet made it through again and and, and overcame that. None of the doctors thought it would happen, yet God makes the call, not them. There's someone who, man, that guy had a rough 2020. But guess what? He's seen, he's through. And God's brought him through and he's trusting in God's goodness and his faithfulness. And, and he's stronger in the Lord now than ever before. God has been faithful. And in the future, how will he be faithful? Well, we know this as Christians by faith that God's gonna be faithful, that there's gonna be a day where Jesus comes back, where he wipes every tear from our eye, where there'll be no more pain, no more sickness, no more disease, amen? No more crying, no more, no more um, heartache, no more loss because Christ will make all things right. So we hold on to that hope, but that hope is not just for someday, that's for today. How do we hold on to that hope for today? And that's the second thing I wanna give you, the second anchor. And this one, I believe, is the one that is the antidote, the greatest antidote to becoming bitter and jaded and overwhelmed by the troubles of this world. It's also the key to staying anchored, in, the second key to staying anchored in God's goodness, and that is a heart of thankfulness. A heart of thankfulness will protect you from the lies of the enemy that attacked you in your hardest times. And, I, and I'll honestly tell you, the person that I've seen that has lived out this heart of thankfulness the most in my life that really marked me was Pastor Thomas. Because I, I, I worked with that man and, and no matter whether we were for three years, whether we were fishing on Clinton Lake or, or playing softball or whether we're going through some of the hardest pastoral challenges, all the time, I just would hear him, if you've ever been with them for very long, you'd hear him under his voice say, thank you, Jesus. Everywhere he'd walk, and it just, it just marked me that it didn't matter what the circumstances we're going through were. We would be having a great time where we're going through challenging times or crying out to the Lord, but his, he'd always just say, thank you, Jesus. And he wasn't doing it to be heard. He was doing it because it was a, a shield around his heart that no matter what the circumstances were, he was gonna stay anchored in thankfulness and thanksgiving to the Lord. God, you are faithful right now. Thank you for this moment. Thank you that I have the honor of serving you. And I, and I see it in his heart. I see it all over him. And that's what I, I carry that with me now. And I do the same thing. I, I just, I walk places. I'm like, just Lord, thank you, Jesus. And, and, I, and I see just God's got a heart. He, he, he responds to a heart that has that kind of, of, of attitude, of thankfulness. He says, in all things give thanks, the word of God says. It's possible, because I've seen it. <laughs> I've seen it, and I've, I've begun to walk it out in my own life that you can carry this shield around you. And the shield is, God, you are good. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that no matter what's going on right now in my life, and it looks like the worst circumstances I could ever imagine, you are good. Thank you, Jesus. 
that I've seen your faithfulness in the past. You've been faithful. I've seen you move mountains and I know you will do it again. I've seen you move in revival and I believe you will do it again here in Lawrence, Kansas. I've seen you grow and save and heal people. And I believe for that person in my family to be saved and healed and set free in Jesus' name. Because you are good. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. See how that begins to strengthen you. It begins to strengthen you. And the circumstances get defined by who God is. Not by how you see them. That's what God's calling us to live. That's what he's calling us to walk in. I believe the Lord wants to do some ministry today. And I believe he wants to redeem maybe some of your story that you've just, you've just had, to, had to throw aside or had to block out. Or maybe right now you feel like you're having to just survive and get through this time. And God wants to minister to you today. And he wants to encourage you. He wants to, he wants to give you his prescription glasses of how you're going to see life from here on out. But here's the key. You have to put them on every day. Amen? That gentleman that had those glasses, if he takes them off and sets them down and forgets them, his, his perspective is going to be off all day long. But he's, if he gets in that place with the Lord every single morning and says, God, I fix my eyes on you. I get into your presence. I put on a heart of thanksgiving, a heart of praise, and that, that, that shield of faith that you're going to be good today. I, I take up the word of God as my sword and I go out and say, you are good no matter what this world declares. My, my God is good and he is for me, not against me. And he sent you as an anchor, as an ambassador, as a beacon of light to this world. But you can't be that unless you're convinced that he's that good to you. That he wants to do that for you. Would you guys bow your heads? I believe that there's some people here today that, that your whole life, you've, want, you've wanted to believe in God and, and you've, you've, you've believed that he's real, but you've had a hard time believing that he's good. You've always thought that you did not measure up and that you weren't good enough for God and that you had to get a little bit better before he could really love you or really use you. And God today is wanting to show you his goodness. He's wanting to minister. You've heard my words, but my words can't convince your heart. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. And right now, he needs, you need to know and you need to surrender to him and say, God, I trust your goodness. You need to give your life to him. Maybe it's a rededication. Maybe it's, maybe it's a, a, re, a refixing on the right, the right Jesus. Not a God that's angry, judgmental, not a God that's waiting for you to mess up, but a God that's standing with wide open arms and saying, I love you. I'm here for you. I've always been here for you. And I want you to come into my presence and come into my goodness. And if you're here and you want to make Jesus Lord, and you want to make him the Lord, that a good father, would you raise your hand and let me pray for you? Thank you, Lord. I see those hands. Thank you, Lord. Let's just repeat this prayer because I believe this is a prayer that all of us need to pray and be reminded of and say, Lord Jesus, I thank you for your incredible love and goodness that you sent Jesus to die on the cross and wipe away my sin, my shame, and my failure. And in its place, you give me your love, your forgiveness, and your righteousness. I thank you, Father, that you are good. No matter what this world says, you are good, and you love me, and you are with me, 
and you are for me. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Would you stand with me? We're gonna go into a, a time of worship and, and I believe that God wants to, I, you know, this, this, this kind of message can help you, encourage you for today, but it really starts tomorrow, right? What I said is so true. You have to start your day declaring God's goodness, declaring his thanksgiving, declaring his praises and saying, God, you're going to be good in my Monday, as good as you are on my Sunday. Amen. And he wants to do that for you, but you're going to start right now. Let's declare his praise. Let's worship him together. And then let's take that worship with us wherever we go. Amen. Carry worship, carry the word of God, carry the, the Holy Spirit in you, your anchor of goodness. Let's worship the Lord together.